You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Hey, thank you so much for uh, choosing to spend part of your busy day, especially after having lost an hour of your life last night. <clears throat> now, we're working our way through First uh, John, and today in the second chapter of First John, we are going to read about the Antichrist. So, I don't know if you're a end times buff or not, but today, by the end of the sermon, you are going to know who the Antichrist is, and you're going to be able to know what to do about it. Today, by the end of the sermon, you will be able to put a name and a face with the Antichrist, because we are going to look at every single passage in the New Testament that mentions the Antichrist. So let's get going. <laughs> I thought it might be interesting if we would just take a look at uh, different figures throughout history who have been identified as the Antichrist. Some are very well-known names in history. Nero was uh, the first one to be named uh, Antichrist, but uh, you have Napoleon and, and Hitler and I don't know if you're aware, but the Archbishop of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church this last week identified Putin as the Antichrist. Now, it's not just famous figures from history. It's some major religious figures as well. So you see here just uh, these are four popes because typically it's popes who have been identified as the Antichrist. Interestingly, it is Protestants who identify the popes, and because Protestants don't have like a key figure, uh, that was not reciprocated. However, I am aware that Billy Graham was identified as the Antichrist, not by a Catholic, but by a very right-wing Christian. Not only religious figures, not only historical figures, but even political figures. So uh, <clears throat> many different U.S. presidents have been identified as the Antichrist. In fact, every single president after George Washington was identified as the Antichrist. George was okay, but, but after George, not so much. That's a list, isn't it? That is quite a list. But what does Scripture say about the Antichrist? Uh, actually, the word Antichrist is only used five times in the New Testament. So uh, three of those times in the passage we're going to study right now. So we're going to throw the other two in there as well just to get a full look at what uh, Scripture says. They all occur in First and Second John. So it's a fairly narrow segment of Scripture 
that uses the word antichrist. So let's take a look at this passage. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 18. John writes, dear children, the last hour is here. Now you've heard that the antichrist is coming and already many such antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they didn't belong with us. John starts out by telling us that uh, we're in the end times. Now, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. With the ascension of Jesus, the end times began. Now, here we are 2,000 years later. Doesn't matter, we're still living in the end times. And John has a warning for us. Some who at first identified with us have left us and now they oppose us. He calls those people antichrists. Plural. Interesting. So what does that word mean? The very word antichrist, we recognize the word Christ in it. That's the Greek form of the word Messiah. That little particle up front, anti. It can be attached to a word and means someone who stands opposed to the Christ. But it can also mean someone who stands in place of the Christ. So what are these people like? John goes on now in verse 20. But you're not like that. For the Holy One has given you his Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you do know the difference between truth and lies. And who's a liar? Well, anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, they're a liar. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an anti-Christ. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So John starts out and he gives us two criteria to identify anti-Christs who actually are living around us today. First of all, anyone who denies that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Messiah is not a term that we, we commonly use today, but if you look at the Old Testament, anyone who denies that Jesus was the one who was promised by God to bring us salvation is an antichrist. John goes on. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. He, he doesn't quite say it this way, but you get the strong idea that this is what he's trying to convey. There are people around us who want to say that they love God the Father, but they deny the Son. 
John says you can't do that. You can't deny the Son without also denying the Father. On the other hand, if you accept, if you acknowledge the Son, you also accept and acknowledge the Father. So there's a second criteria. First one, you deny that Jesus is the Messiah. Second one, you deny that Jesus is the one true Son of God. You deny his divinity. Now, as John works through this passage, he weaves several different themes in and around each other. We've seen some of them already. Um, <clears throat> we see that six times he says, we remain. We remain with Jesus. We remain with the fellowship. We remain with his word. Three times he says, but they left. We remain, but they left. Three times he says, you know the truth. Three times he says, but they're spreading lies. Twice he says, we know. Three times he says, they deny. And then three times he talks about the anointing that we have. And the anointing is specifically so we will know the truth and can remain. He says twice that we belong to the body. They don't. Now it's at this point, as John is defining what is it that makes a person an antichrist, we want to look at the other two passages. So we're going to jump ahead a couple of chapters. First John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real human body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. And then we jump forward just another couple of chapters. Now we're in 2 John, verses 7 and 8. John says, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you don't lose what we've worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent that you receive your full reward. So what John says there are three criteria that makes a person an antichrist. If they do any one of these three, they qualify to be called an antichrist. They deny that Jesus is the Messiah. Or they deny that Jesus is the one true Son of God. They deny his divinity. Or 
They deny that he came in a real human body. They deny his humanity. Now, all three of these were rampant in the first century. As they were trying to figure out how to relate the reality that they lived with Jesus to the theology that they brought forward from the Old Testament. There were some, many, who said, well, Jesus isn't really the Messiah. There were others who said, well, Jesus isn't really God. And there were still others who said, oh, he's God. He's just not really a man. John says, if any one of those three is true, that person is an antichrist. Now, here is the interesting thing. He says that they started with us. They were part of us. They identified themselves as followers of Jesus. They were part of the church, at least for a while. Then ultimately they left us, showing therefore that they weren't really a part of us. But it tells us something about them. The Antichrist does not reject Jesus. The Antichrist tries to redefine Jesus. They try to make Jesus into something that's much more comfortable for us to accept. We look around today, and that is exactly what we see going on. There are a lot of people who love Jesus, or at least they love their image of Jesus. But that image is greatly different from what we read in the New Testament. Now, most people today associate the Antichrist with the end times, with something that's going to take place in the future. John here says the Antichrist is already among us. In fact, there are hundreds, thousands of Antichrists all around us. Anyone who attempts to redefine Jesus to make Jesus more palatable is an Antichrist. So where do we come up with the idea that the Antichrist comes at the end times? It comes from about the third century. A church father named Irenaeus began to call the beast of the book of Revelation. He gave him the title Antichrist. And it just stuck. And the church has continued to talk about the Antichrist exclusively in those terms since then. But when we look at Scripture, we see that Scripture paints a very different picture. Scripture tells us that the Antichrists, plural, are all around us. Anyone who denies that Jesus is the Messiah, anyone who denies that Jesus is the one true Son of God, Anyone who denies that Jesus came in a physical body, that person is the Antichrist. They attempt to redefine Jesus in different ways. They try to make Jesus more comfortable than the Jesus that we find in Scripture. 
So they redefine him. That Jesus makes no demands on their life. That Jesus doesn't ask them to believe something that's hard to believe. That Jesus wants them to be happy and, and healthy and, and wealthy. Tell you what, that's a pretty tempting message, isn't it? There is something amazingly seductive about that message. A Jesus that wants what I want. I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. Gosh, I'd like to be rich. So if someone comes around and tells me that that's what Jesus wants for me too, there's a huge temptation to say, I want that Jesus. But the reality is that when we look at Scripture, we see a different Jesus. We see a Jesus that doesn't always help us out of our sickness, but may choose to help us through our illness. We see a Jesus that doesn't always make us wealthy. Sometimes, even in our poverty, Jesus calls us. We see a Jesus that's willing for us to go through pain, but not injury. It's a big difference. One incapacitates us, the other hurts. He's willing for us to hurt in order to accomplish his purpose in our life. That's the Jesus that we see. <clears throat> That's the Jesus that John followed. John, by the end of his life, was imprisoned. Many of Jesus' followers were actually put to death. Some crucified just as Jesus was. That's the Jesus that they followed. He makes demands on us. He tells us things that sometimes are hard to accept. But it's always for our good. It's always to move us in the path of a long obedience in the same direction. Even when it's tough. So what do we do about it? That's where John wanted to get. So at the end of this passage, he says, so you must remain faithful. Remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, You'll remain in the fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And if this fellowship, in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life that he promised us. John tells us that we have to stick with it. We remain faithful. Faithful to him and, and, and faithful to the body. It's in the body 
that we find those who can help us when things get tough. It's as we look around at each other that we can support each other when life becomes difficult. John goes on, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you've received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what's true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as He's taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. You hear that? Remain? Vocabulary? What do we do when we're confronted with those who follow a different Jesus? And it's attractive. It's seductive. It's a temptation. What do we do? John says, remain. John says, first of all, remain in him. Stick with Jesus. Stick with the Jesus that you have known. Stick with the Jesus. As John would say, that I walk the earth with. Stick with the Jesus who also suffered, but he came through. Stick with his word. Keep studying his word. Keep seeing what scripture says about Jesus. What you hear about Jesus from the people around you are just words. Scripture tells us who he's like, what he did, how we need to act. And then finally, remain in his body. Stick with the church. Keep looking to your friends, to your brothers and sisters who are here with you. They can help. Don't be afraid to go to them and say, pray for me. I'm struggling. You see, the Antichrist isn't some figure that comes at the end of time. He's here now. He's all around us. He's our friend. He's our neighbor. He's maybe even a family member. He simply tries to redefine Jesus into something much more attractive, much easier to accept. There are hundreds and thousands of antichrists around us. I said at the beginning that you'd be able to put a name and a face. If you close your eyes and think of that last person that you talked to, who just wanted to tell you that Jesus really is something different from what you know. They probably didn't say it that way. They just said, oh, my Jesus wants me to be happy. My Jesus wants me to be healthy. My Jesus wants me to be rich. My Jesus wants substitute anything in there that you want. You'll find someone who says that. Because that's, after all, what this is. They redefine Jesus in their own image. 
we need to be remade in his image. So what am I saying? Very simply, that if we want to be Jesus in every corner of our culture, we've got to stick with it. We've got to stick with his word. We've got to be in his word. We've got to be studying, seeing what it is that scripture says Jesus is. We've got to stick with his church. We've got to look around to our friends and family here. We've got to be willing to approach them and say, I'm struggling. Help me. You'll find help. We've got to stick with Jesus. Messiah, one true Son of God, who came in flesh to be one of us. That's who Jesus is. We just need to stick with him. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.